Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 85, Lacuna Snails. This week in my marine zoology lab, we were studying arthropods, animals with chitinous exoskeletons and jointed legs, a group that includes lobsters, crabs, and shrimp. Because our campus is right on the water and the day wasn't too cold, I suggested we head down to the dock and see if we could find any live crabs to augment our collection of preserved specimens for observation. I was hopeful that we would be able to find some toad crabs, small, almost homely crabs that can be found on the bulkhead and pilings of our waterfront campus. Unfortunately, there were none to be found. It is still early spring after all. But we did pull up some kelp fronds, hoping to find some live bryozoans, a colonial animal that forms lacy crusts on the surface of seaweed. But every light-colored patch on the kelp that we thought from a distance was bryozoan turned out to be just thin spots on the blade, patches where the kelp had been eroded away to about half its original thickness. Scoping around, I found a couple of small donut-shaped egg masses on the algae, and I knew the perpetrator of the damage to the kelp, a small snail known as a lacuna snail, whose scientific name is lacuna vincta. These snails are lesser-known cousins of the ubiquitous periwinkles we find all over the rocky intertidal and gravel beaches on either side of the North Atlantic Ocean. The lacuna snail is circumboreal, being found at high-latitude oceans down to high-temperate latitudes in the North Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. While it's characterized in some guidebooks as intertidal, it's generally found in the low intertidal or subtidal, and only where there's a lot of brown algae, its favorite food. I almost exclusively find it on kelp. Another name for it is the banded lacuna snail, as sometimes it has alternating stripes of light and dark though the one we found this week was all dark brown, nearly the exact color of the kelp it was feeding on. Its name, lacuna, means a gap or unfilled space and references a shell feature that is useful for identification. Along the edge of the aperture or opening to the shell, there's a small slit or groove. This gives the snail its name. This groove is actually an elongation of the umbilicus, the opening of the hollow portion of the columella, the central axis around which the shell spirals. Another commonly seen sign of this animal is the egg case. In spring and summer, if there are lacuna snails around, there will also be tiny donut-shaped egg cases dotting kelp blades. Each circular mass holds over a thousand eggs and hatches in six days. Juveniles then spend up to six months in the plankton before settling down as tiny one millimeter long snails. As I was reading about these animals, I learned something entirely unexpected and, given my recent obsession with all things mucus, completely on brand. Apparently, when these animals face hard times, periods of lack of food, presence of predators, or physical disturbance in their habitat, they form a mucus parachute that enables them to drift with the currents and disperse to a hopefully more favorable spot. Molluscan mucus parasailing. This mucus drift trick is something well-documented in animals that don't have a planktonic juvenile phase, which means they need another mechanism to disperse far and wide. It's curious that lacuna snails can do this, as they already have an incredibly long planktonic stage, which presumably spreads them all over the place. It seems like the mucus drift sail in this case is more adaptive for the individual escaping poor conditions than for population-scale dispersal. 
The next time you find yourself in the low intertidal where there is kelp around, take a careful look to see if you can spot any bright yellow, green, or even pink donuts on the algae. If you do, the lacuna snail won't be far behind. This has been episode 85 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on Wabanaki land. Did you know you can find this show as a podcast? Go to weru.org to learn more. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening and join us next week. 